let's pray and we'll get started. Father, we do thank you once again, God, for your word. We thank you that we can gather together even though we're all together separate. But Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts as we get back into Nehemiah, watching what he does under difficult circumstances. I pray it would give us encouragement in our own walks with you right now and that we could take these things and and principles that we learned from him tonight and flesh those out. So Lord, we give you this time. We, We pray, God, that our hearts would be receptive and most of all, God, that you would get the glory in this time and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, once again, I'm going to put the scripture up there. We're in Nehemiah chapter 3. We're going to pick it up in verse 1. I don't know how many of you even remembered where we were in Nehemiah. I was going to do a little contest and uh, see how many remembered whether we were in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5. But anyway, uh, I don't know how many of you remember what's happened with Nehemiah so far. And remember in chapter 1, we kind of got some background of what was going on. Chapter 2 is when he decided to leave uh, Artaxerxes. He got the letter. He went to... uh, uh, back to Jerusalem, got involved there, walked the, walked the wall, checked things out, kind of even snuck around a little bit to look at things, kind of announced to the people we're going to rebuild. And then there's those two guys, man. You know, and I, you know, it's interesting. There's Sanballat and Tobiah. And what kind of blows my mind is you don't hear too many people naming their kids after these guys. These guys were like, you know, they were like a piece of work. They did whatever they could to discourage Nehemiah, and we're going to learn tonight the whole crew. They were against anything that God was doing. So think about that in your own walk and people that come up against us. Now tonight, as we get into this, uh, we're going to kind of we're going to kind of go around the city, and I'm going to do chapter three kind of fast. I'm not going to try and pronounce all of those names. If I did that, we would be here a long time because I would stutter through them, stumble over them. And you know what? You can read the names on your own and you can get the idea of what's going on. But here's the, here's the thing. There's 38 names there listed. But in those 38 names, there's 42 different teams that are working. And I kind of want us to get that idea. These were teams that were coming together to rebuild Jerusalem, and God was using that in mighty ways. And we're going to learn these teams were made up of, of a kind of a hodgepodge group of people. As I read this, I don't read about a whole bunch of construction workers of guys that were really skilled. There's some, but not a whole bunch. We have people like priests doing some work. We have people like uh, uh, goldsmiths, perfumers, people involved in different, different crafts that way. We have some women involved. That's a good thing, right? The ladies are involved in this building. But hey, what we need to learn from this is that the people came together to accomplish something. And that's what the church is all about. Now, there are those who will take each one of these gates. By the way, there's 10 gates, and we'll kind of talk about the gates, but there's 10 gates. There are people who say each gate represents this. The sheep gate represents the idea that Jesus came to die for our sins, and, you know, and they go on and on and on. You guys already know I'm not that guy. So if you want to get more into what each gate supposedly represents, you can find those commentaries and get into it. 
But hey, before we begin, I'm gonna put up a little map here and I'm gonna disappear for a moment. The map's gonna come up and it kind of shows what's going on. Starting up north on the Sheep Gate, and I'm pointing to it like you guys are all here. So <laughs> you can't even see me. But you start, you go counterclockwise and hey, get up right now, take a picture of this with your phone on your TV screen or, or you know, do a screenshot, whatever you're watching. But we get an idea of what's going on. And here's what I, I kind of dig about this is that's kind of the layout of the old city, and it's very similar to the old city today. So kind of the, the, the same uh, dimensions, kind of the same thing going on, which is interesting, and we're gonna read in a minute. Well, I don't wanna get ahead of myself, uh, and uh, we're gonna look at some interesting things. So again, verse, uh, let's, let's read verse one. I think I can do that name. In verse one, it says, then Elisha, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, uh, the priest, and built the sheep gate, and they continued they consecrated it and hung its doors. So listen, man, these guys got up and it's interesting as you look at these words, built means they constructed something, they got together, they did something. And I wanna encourage us as a church, we need to be doing things, especially during this time, just because we're supposed to be, you know, doing social distancing, which I hope we are, and we're being faithful to that. But it doesn't mean you can't reach out to people. Hey, you can still call people, you can text people, you can go on uh, uh, Facebook, you can do those things. But we're supposed to be building something and representing the Lord. Now, here's what I love. Nehemiah starts out, and the first people he has who are working that he mentions are the priests. And I think it's great that these guys are involved in building part of the wall. They're not too good for that. They're not, they're not going around saying, oh man, I'm gonna get my robe all dirty and that's not gonna be good if I get my robe dirty. So listen, man, these guys are involved and that's a blessing to see what's going on there and that they're doing that. Now, they're at the sheep gate and that's a gate that they usually, quote, brought the sheep through. He mentions a couple towers and then, and then it gets into the different regions. Now, in verse two, next to Eliashab, the men of Jericho built and then we go on and on and on and on with these names. And again, they're hard to pronounce. But I wanna pick it up in verse five. Well, you know what, before we get to verse five, well, actually it's verse six. So verse five, let's pick up verse five. Well, verse three has the fish gate. So you got the sheep gate, you got the fish gate, and then you get down to verse five. And here's what it says. Next to them, the Tekoites made repairs, but their nobles did not put their shoulder to the work of the Lord. You see, there were those who thought they were above the work. And notice what Nehemiah says, the work of the Lord. And there were those who thought, I'm too good for that, I can't do that. And that's sort of a drag, but you know what I find in every congregation, every kind of church, no matter what you're talking about, there are those who, they're not gonna be involved. They choose not to be involved, they're gonna stay away, they're gonna do their own thing, and uh, you know what, that's their problem. Now, as you work through this, and I want you to work through it on your own, you're gonna find out something. There were some who did a whole bunch of work, some who just did little portions. There were some who, you know, it seems like we're overwhelmed, some who were maybe underwhelmed, but all of this was divided up by Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a great leader, putting all these people together and getting them all to work and kind of get along. So there we have that, and then, hey, 
then it talks about the broad wall. And as he talks about the broad wall, what I love about that is that wall is still in Jerusalem today. If you've ever gone to Israel with us on a trip and we're trying to plan another one, but I don't think it's a really good time to advertise that. So we'll talk about that when you guys get better. But hey, as we think about that, you go to Israel, you go to Jerusalem and you see Hezekiah's wall. And you talk about it, that's this wall they're talking about here. It's a wide wall, you can look at it, and it's from the time of Hezekiah that we still have evidence of what was going on in Jerusalem. So then you have some more names named, again, that I don't really wanna get into trying to do that. And you go down, and in verse eight, you have the goldsmith, the perfumers working on, the, there's the broad wall, that they're working on that wall, and then you get down, and you work away, and you get down to verse 13, and you have the valley gate. Now, it's interesting, there were a couple gates that went down into the, the, uh, the valley there, the Hinnon Valley, that uh, is, a, again, a way where they would take some of the trash out that way, but, but you have this, this valley gate, then you have the refuse gate. The refuse gate would be for taking a trash out. And it was a place, and that's when Jesus talked about the whole uh, idea of, of uh, uh, the uh, Gehenna. When he brings up Gehenna, it's kind of this uh, idea of what they were doing there. Then you have, in verse 14, you have, you have the son of Rechab mentioned. And the Rechabites, remember, they were around during Jeremiah's time. And if, you haven't, if you're not familiar with that for homework, you can read the book of Jeremiah and check out what's going on there. Then in verse 15, you have the fountain gate. And then from 15, here's the interesting thing. You have the gates that are in the north uh, that... Uh, as you look at the northern part, it's, it takes up five verses. Then the west wall takes up six verses. And uh, the south wall takes up two verses, 13 and 14. Then from then on, we're talking about the eastern wall. And if you remember on that map, it was a long, long shot. And it's interesting how the people, some of them double up on things they're doing. But you have that long wall that takes up from verse 15 all the way to verse 32, and in that, you have a couple more gates. You have the water gate, you have the horse gate, you have the east gate that a lot of us are familiar with, the golden gate, some people call it, and again, you can see that, and then you end up with uh, one that's kind of difficult, the Mikfid gate, and uh, then in verse 32, look where we end up, and between the upper room at the corner of the, as far as the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants made repairs. So we're back to the sheep gate. So we just did a big circle and everybody's involved. But again, I want us to notice the diversity of what's going on. It's not just religious people. It's not just those who are, are supposed to be doing that. But as I said, you had goldsmith, you had perfumers, you had the, the, uh, the, the, the uh, priests, you had women, you had everybody coming together for one thing, to accomplish the common task. And saints, would to God that we would gather together as the saints of God, as the church of Jesus Christ, and go forward even during a time when we can't be physically together. We can still lock arms, do the work of the Lord so that the gospel gets out because, hey, last I checked, the gospel is not bound. 
And you and I need to understand that. So, hey, let's get together. Now, as they're working, so Nehemiah just gave us an overview. Like, we walked around the city. We went counterclockwise, walked around the city, checked things out, looked who's working. Now we're going to get into the actual work itself. So we might say chapter 3 is kind of an overview of giving us everybody who's involved. Oh, by the way, I know I skipped over the names because I don't want to try and pronounce them. But can you imagine how excited the guys were whose names were in there? Like, I think all of us, all of us like to hear, like to hear our name. And we like to hear our name in something important going on. And all of a sudden we hear our name, we go, yes! Sometimes we even wait and listen. Is he going to say my name? Yes! And I think these guys were just as excited. So I want you all to read that. And especially if you're a family, hey, read it together, read it out loud, and see how you do with the names. But now chapter four is what I want to spend our time on tonight mostly. So we went around the wall, and then verse one says, so it happened when Sanballat heard that, they were, that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. A couple things I think are important. Number one, Sanballat's back in the, in the picture here. And we met him in chapter two. He was always against, hey, you're always gonna have those people who are against you. And they're gonna come against you and they're gonna do everything they can to stop you. And we just gotta deal with that. That's just part of the nature of serving the Lord. There are gonna be those and you just gotta power through that as we're gonna learn what Nehemiah does. And you gotta ignore those people. But then I love what Nehemiah says here in verse one of chapter four. He says, we were rebuilding the wall. You know what that tells me? Nehemiah was just involved in this building project as all the other people he mentioned. He's part of this and he's doing it. And then to talk about using the different words, he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. So here's what he said to them, verse two, and he spoke before his brethren and the army of, and his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? So here he is, kind of get this picture. He's got his whole army around him. He's got these people listening to him. Maybe he's up on some kind of soapbox or something. And here he makes this announcement and listen to how he degrades what the Jews are doing. He says, what are these feeble Jews? Number one, he's saying these guys can't do it. And maybe if you looked at that list and you saw those people, maybe your first thought would be they can't do it. There's no way they can get that done. People say that about us all the time. I've had people say that about me. Hey, you can't do that. Who do you think you are? And a lot of times, it's Satan saying that in my head. You can't do that. What's the matter with you? So first of all, he tells them they're feeble. They're not able to do it. And then I love this. He says, he says listen, he says, will they fortify themselves? In other words, where are they going to get the ability? Where are they going to get the strength? Will they offer sacrifices? And here's what I think he's doing there. He's implying that oh, are they going to ask God to build the wall and he's going to do something miraculous? You know how people talk about the church. And then, listen, and then he says, are they going to get it done in a day? So if they offer sacrifices, is it going to be miraculously built? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubble, stones that are burned? Now listen, man, that's a lot of smack talk going on, right? You got one guy really coming down on them. I don't know about you guys, but when people do that to me, I'm not a guy who backs down. When somebody does that to me, here's what I think. I'm coming for you. I'm gonna show you. 
I'm gonna get this done. You're telling me I can't do it? I'm gonna show you I can do it. There is a chance. And you know, I kinda, I kinda look and, and, and praying that they will do that. Oh, and then, check this out, verse three. Then Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, whatever they build, even if, or if even a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. So here's what he's saying, man. Everything's gonna be done so shabby. Look at, what does a goldsmith know about bricklaying? What is a perfumer? You know, when I think of it, never mind. A perfumer, I think, would not be a real good construction worker. Well, I'll just leave it at that. And, you know, you're thinking, hey, look at this guy. And here's what he's going, man. These guys can't do it. They're going to just stack these rocks. And even if something as delicate, because a fox can move pretty stealth-like, he gets up on there, it's just going to crumble. So he's making fun of them. And then here's what I love. What do you do when somebody comes against you? Before we read verse four, what do you do? Where do you go? What happens when you're feeling that oppression and, and, and people are just against you? I love, listen, man, here's where Nehemiah shines the brightest. Verse four, hear, O our God, for we are despised. What does Nehemiah do first? Not last, but first. He goes to God and he prays. Now, some people don't like this prayer. And I think because you misunderstand it, and I think because you get judgmental. But listen, here's what he says. Hear, O God, hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity. Do not let their sin be blotted out from before you. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. Now, that's kind of a heavy prayer. But here's the thing, God doesn't have to do what Nehemiah is praying. So I think if you're saying Nehemiah is a horrible individual, he shouldn't be praying that way. Nehemiah is saying, God, would you take care of this for us? And yeah, he gets a little bit explicit on what he wants to have happen, but it's, he's leaving it in the hands of the Lord and he's not saying, I'm gonna do this, we're gonna do this. He says, God, could you take care of this for us? And ultimately, did you notice how he ended it? Ultimately, he said, these guys are going against you, not against us. Saints, when you're doing the work of the Lord and people come against you, don't take it personal. They're coming against God. And you can turn that over to God. You can ask God to take care of it because it's up to him to do it. So I kind of look at it that way. And then check out, he prays, and then what does he do? So we built the wall, the, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Check it out, man. He prayed, and then he worked. I think prayer is important, and I think we should be praying, but we also need to put feet to our prayers. We need to be people who are willing to be the answer even to the prayers we're praying, and we're gonna do it, and I love this idea. They had a mind to work. Hey, do you have a mind to work for the Lord? Is you, are you consecrated in your own heart to do those things for God? Because I think, listen, that's where it all starts. I remember when, uh, when I got involved in some missionary work in Mexico, the, uh, the people that had discipled us did, uh, were involved with the Jesus movie, and I've talked about that before. But I remember they got it all done, and they're ready to go down. They were going to go down on a, on a, a Easter week and go down and show it because it would be a good time to get the people together. And I remember praying that they would have people to help them. 
because that's what they asked for. So we prayed, Gaynell and I prayed, and we prayed that people would, someone would come along to help them. Guess how God answered that prayer? He says, hey, you're gonna pray for that? Then you go. Put your mind to the work. Listen, once again, get ready to do it. And so, hey, praying is important, but are you willing? I love that about Nehemiah. So man, now, now I don't know about you guys, but it seems like they're kind of pumped. And then... Listen, verse seven, now it happened when Sanballat, uh, Tobiah, the, uh, Tobiah, the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed that they became very angry and all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. So now check this out what happens. They get busy working, they pray, they lay it before God, then they get busy, they're trying to join everything and it sounds like they're getting a lot done. And then now, listen, now Tobiah's not talking about foxes anymore. Now they're joining forces. And if you, if you get a map, again, write down the names of who these guys are. You get a map and here's what happens. These guys are surrounding Jerusalem. They're coming from the north. They're coming from the east. They're coming from the south. They're coming from the west. And they're gonna come after them. And now you got a group of people, number one, these guys aren't soldiers. They're not guys who can handle everything. Number two, they're busy trying to build a wall. Number three, I think they're a little bit scared. And here's what I look at. I look at this situation here in Nehemiah chapter four. I think it's a lot like what we're facing today. We're in the middle of an unknown, uncertainties, Things are going, we maybe aren't surrounded by enemies, but I'm sure, and sometimes in our head we are, and we gotta make a choice. And we gotta make some decisions. What are we gonna do in the midst of this? And I see now, listen, it gets a little bit heavier for these guys, and then, verse nine, nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God. Because of them, we set watch against them day and night. What did he do first again? He prayed. He went to the Lord, then, now they're gonna begin to defend themselves. Saints, there's nothing wrong with setting up a a barrier, setting up yourself to be defensive and and to take that position. And Nehemiah's going, okay, they're gonna come against us. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna have a show of force at every single gate. And we're gonna set up guys at every gate. We're gonna keep working and we're gonna keep going as we're gonna read in a minute, but we're also gonna let them know they're not just gonna walk in and take over. So he gets ready, he does that. Oh, and then, listen, and then they get this. Verse 10, these are always my favorite people. Then Judah said, the strength of the labors is failing, and there's so much rubbish that we're not able to build the wall. So here's what's going on. You get the group that go, oh, let's just quit. Let's don't do this. This is too hard. The naysayers, you know those guys that you wish they were a team player, but they're not playing on the team, and they're they're in the grandstands, and all they can do is root against you, so to speak. You can't do that. That's too hard for you. It's too difficult for you. What what makes you think you're going to get this done? That kind of takes me back to Numbers. Remember in Numbers chapter 13, I'm sure you're reading Numbers, loving it. In Numbers chapter 13 is when Israel came together and you had Caleb and Joshua. 
And Caleb came to Moses and he goes, dude, we can take this land. It's not a problem. He goes, they got really big guys, but you know what? Big guys fall hard. And then there were the doubters, right? Oh, we can't do this. And, you know, Numbers 31 and 32, 13, 31 and 32. I was going to tell you to read all of Numbers 13, but I knew that wasn't going to happen. But if you read 13, 31, 32, you have the guys. That can never happen. That's not going to work. And that's what these guys, some of these guys from Judah are saying. Oh, we can't do that. It's not going to work. It's too hard. We're tired. We're worn out. We've been working hard. And then, hey, and there's so much rubbish. And then verse 11 says, and our adversary said, they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. So you got the naysayers, then you got the guys who are against you, Sanballat and crew going, oh man, we are gonna come in there and we are gonna wipe you guys out. You're dead. Oh, and then there's one more group. This is always fun when you're serving the Lord. Verse 12, so it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us 10 times for whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. Now, I think the 10 times is just a, a euphemism for, hey, they're gonna come against us. And they told them several times. So then you have the kind of the outsiders who are going, oh, that'll never work. Oh, you can never do that. Oh, they're gonna come against us. You just need to give it up. And you know what, man? It always bums me out when people kind of start doing that. And it really bums me out when they're church people. When church people are just putting down whatever you were trying to go forward, we're trying to move forward, we wanna do something for the Lord, and they're, that'll never work, why would you do that? You know, why are you trying to do that? What's the matter with you? If I were in charge, and that's generally when I tell them, well then go plant a church and do your thing and see what happens. But listen, man, why are we people who are trying to put other people down and hassle them about what they're doing when they're just trying to follow the Lord? That's all these guys were doing. They're trying to do what God had put in front of them to do. Why on earth would we want to discourage people like that? Why would we want to come against it? So I want all of us pray about our heart attitude towards those things, and are we one of those people? You know, every time I read this and think about people doing that, I think of one of the times when I went to Israel, and we were getting ready for our Israel trip and there was a guy who came to me and said you shouldn't go and and there was some medical stuff going on with me and you know and he was I, I think he was trying to be a friend but he came and he said you shouldn't go and I said why shouldn't I go and he goes what if and he named all of these things that could happen what if this happens what if this happens what if this happens and you know I said hey I need to go I've put this trip together I need to go and we got to Israel and every one of the things he mentioned happened. Every single one of them, even to the point where I ended up in an emergency room in Israel as we're doing the tour. The whole tour didn't go in with me, by the way. They went and did something else. But listen, all those things happened, but guess what? God took care of it. And I believe if we're faithful to God, if we trust God, and if we put our mind to the work of God, how could God not be there for us? And saints, we need to understand that. And hey, here's what I'm saying, man. Some of us go, well, I, I do that. Do you do that or do you do it half-heartedly? In other words, do you do that expecting God now to owe you? 
Hey, I went on that trip. I didn't expect anything from God. I just was trying to do what God had put in front of me. So here they are. They got all of those people. They got the, you know, they got the people from Judah. They got the people from the outside. They got, they got part of the Jews who are living out in the, in the outer areas saying, this won't work. And then verse 13, check out Nehemiah. Nehemiah in verse 13 said, okay, I quit. We're not gonna get the wall built. What does he say? Therefore, verse 13, therefore, what's the, there, there, what's the therefore, therefore? He says, I position men behind the lower parts of the wall. Here's the thing. They said, we're gonna come and get you guys and we're gonna come in those, those low areas and we're gonna wipe you out. We're gonna take care of it. So what does Nehemiah do? Here's what he says, bet me. And he goes, I position men at those openings, at the openings, and I set people in the middle of verse 13. I set the people according to their families with their swords and their spears and their bows. Here's what he says. You know what? Put on the armor and let's get going. Saints, put on the armor of God. When was the last time you got up in the morning and put on the armor of God? I think most of you get up in the morning and get dressed. Well, maybe right now you don't. Maybe you stay in your PJs all day. I don't know. You got nothing to do. You can't go anywhere. Some of you are watching in your PJs right now. We were very tempted to do this entire thing in our pajamas so you guys would feel at home and feel we were part of the family of doing this. But listen, man. Put on armor of God. Here's what he says. Get your spears, get your bows, let's get ready. And then verse 14 to me is a highlight and this should speak to all of our hearts. Listen carefully what Nehemiah tells them and tells us in the midst of what we're going through. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders and to the rest of the people and to the church at Calvary Chapel and anybody who's listening to us, here's what he says. Do not be afraid of them. First and foremost, don't be afraid. Don't react in fear. And then he says, by the way, fear and faith never go together. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. Here's what he says. Remember the Lord. Remember who he is. And then I love this. He says, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Saints, are you fighting for your family right now? Are you in that battle and you're gonna take control? And I'm speaking mostly to men right now. And maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you're not being able to go to work. Maybe you even got laid off and, and, you, and you feel the crunch of that. And I get that, but you know what, man? Don't be afraid right now. Don't react in fear. Remember the Lord, awesome and mighty. And you know what? Get up and fight for your family. This is about your family. I love Nehemiah, here's what he's saying. I'm sure these guys were terrified. They're not soldiers, and they're surrounded by armies. And here's what he says, don't be afraid. Yeah, that's easy for you to say, Nehemiah. And he says, listen man, we have a great God. So let's go. And you know what, if your God is great and if you trust him, get up and get going. Now, I'm not telling you to take off and, and do crazy things. I'm telling you right now, spiritually, fight for your family. Do the right thing for your family. Take care of your family. You know what? Provide for them spiritually right now. It's your, dads, it's your responsibility to feed your kids spiritually. It's your responsibility to take care of them. You can get a hold of us. We'll give you curriculum and stuff to do that. But hey, step up, dads, 
and fight for your families. That's what Nehemiah tells them. And he says, hey, let's do this, verse 15. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his own work. So listen, they broke up, they got ready for a fight. If you guys wanna fight, we're gonna fight. And then here's what happened, man. The enemy goes, oh, we thought we were just gonna walk over the top of you. You guys looked a little ticked off. You're kind of scaring us. You got spears and bows? You got the, you got the stuff on? Well, then never mind. And here's what I love. Listen, and then Nehemiah didn't say, okay, everybody relax and chill. Here's what he says. All right, let's get back to work. We got a wall to build. And the whole, the whole part of Nehemiah is, let's get this wall done. That's why I came. I can, I can kind of hear him in the background. I came all the way from, from uh, Babylon or, or, you know, wherever they were at that time. I came all the way, I forgot verse one already, or chapter one already. But I came all the way, and here I am with you guys. We're gonna build a wall. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what they're doing. We're gonna build a wall. So now, check out what he does. Look at verse 16. So it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction while the other half held spears and their shields and the bows and wore armor and the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Here's what happened. Half of you guys stand guard, half of you lay the brick and let's get this thing done. So now they're ready, man. They're not gonna back off. And imagine what the enemy sees when that happens. Church, when we get together and we have the armor of God on and we're ready to fight and we're ready to go forward, what's the enemy gonna do? So I wanna encourage this, man. Let's step up and do that. And then he says, verse 17, those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other hand, or with the other they held a weapon. Now, the NIV says it a little bit different, which I think makes more sense. They had a weapon strapped on. Trust me, you are not gonna lay brick with a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other. A lot of people say the sword and a trowel and even this guy named Spurgeon, I don't know if you've heard of him, he had a whole magazine called the sword and the trowel uh, from this verse. But hey, I don't think, uh, I've done some brick work and it was real ugly, but I have done some. There's no way you're gonna hold your weapon and work one-handed, you need two hands. So here's what I think he's saying, bottom line, is everyone was ready. Everyone is poised and in position. If I gotta do war, we're gonna go to war. But until then, we're gonna go all the way back to verse six. I'm gonna put my mind to the work and I'm gonna do the work that God has called me to. Would to God, would to God that the church would stop worrying about who's doing what and how much they're doing and what they're doing and would to God that we would be people that I'm gonna put my mind to the work that God has put in front of me and I'm gonna do what he has shown me to do and I'm gonna do it with all my heart. That's what this whole story is all about. So then in verse 18, it says, every one of the builders had his sword girded by his side as he built and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Now, listen, now Nehemiah's got the trumpet guy with him. That's the worship leaders. They even got involved. They put their guitars down and they got some horns. That's for Rob. He's sitting over there. 
So anyway, listen, uh, the trumpet means that shofar, the ram's horn, uh, just that he had a horn ready. So here's the thing. Nehemiah's saying, hey, we may have to do war. So here's the deal. He's got this guy beside him, and he goes, hey, he, everywhere I go, he goes. And in verse 19, he tells us why. Then I said to the nobles, the rulers, and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. Listen, they didn't gather together in huddles. They didn't get in their little Christian huddles and do their little Christian thing and ignore everybody. They had to spread out to do the work. Saints, we need to spread out to do our work. And we need to be involved in what we're doing. And then he said this, listen, they're spread along the wall. And then he said, whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally there, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So hey, if we get in trouble in some place, we're gonna toot the horn. And everybody's gonna come running and we're all gonna be there and they're gonna see our force. And here's what's even cool. Our God will fight for us. Do you believe God will fight for you? I think some of you right now are discouraged. You're hurting. We've gotten some prayer requests. We know what's going on in some families. And I think you're hurting and discouraged and you feel like God's not on your side. You feel like he doesn't hear you. You feel like he should be more present in your life. And I guess my question is, how present are you in your Christian life? Are you reaching out to him? We're gonna read Sunday Saturday and Sunday where James tells us how to win the battle and I'm gonna leave it at that so you will tune in Saturday or Sunday so there's a little bit you wanna win you wanna win the war you gotta turn in Sunday to find out or Saturday night to find out how so here's what he says man our God will fight for us in verse 21 so we labored in the work and half of the men held the spears from daybreak until the stars appeared and at the same time I also said to the people let each man and his servant stay at night in Jerusalem that they may be our guard by night and a working party by day. Here's what he's saying, man. We are not gonna chill. We're not gonna take a break. We're gonna go, we're gonna go, we're gonna go, we're gonna go until this wall is built. I remember one time, and I, I do believe we need some time off. I do believe we need to rest. I do believe we need to recharge. But you know what, man? I think if, if need be, I think I could go 24-7 with the Lord. Because of this, he's gonna energize me. It's not gonna be me doing it. And hey, I'm not saying that we all need to, you know, work ourselves to death. That's not, that's not, but there are times where you're not gonna give up. You're gonna go, you're gonna go, you're gonna go, you're gonna go. That's what these guys are doing. Why? They gotta get this done. There's people wanting to attack them. There is something that needs to be accomplished. Oh, and then I love the end of this, verse 23. So neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes. Now don't read on yet in the New King James. Other translations have it different, but I kind of like this, man. Here's what I'm thinking. When I first read that, I think, it's gonna get ripe. What do you mean? You guys are building a wall, you're running around, you're being crazy, and you're not taking your clothes off? Bro, no wonder they didn't attack you. You kept, kept them away with the stench, right? And so I'm kind of thinking that. Now listen, here's what I love. He says, we didn't take off our clothes, except that everyone took them off for washing. Yes! They did wash your clothes. Now, I know 
If you have a different translation, that might be a little bit hokey. That might be bogus the way they translated that. So that's okay. But I kind of I just like that. But here's his point. We're working for God. And when you're working for God, I hear people, I even heard it just the other day about, you know, pastor burnout and, and ministry burnout. And, and I hear those things. And I'm going to be really honest. I think if you get burned out in ministry, a couple things are going on. You may be where you're not supposed to be. In other words, you were never called to do where you're at and you're trying to do it, number one. Number two, you may be doing what you're supposed to be doing, but you're doing it in the flesh and you're not relying on the power of God. I read in my Bible and I don't read of any of the guys in the Bible that we read about having to take long sabbaticals and having to take long breaks. Why? Because they were where God wanted them and they knew they were where God wanted them and God empowered them. And I believe that with all of my heart. I don't, you know, I don't believe uh, they're in this whole, I need to take a long sabbatical and kind of figure things out. And somebody put some, something on my desk just a couple weeks ago. There are a little tin of things and they called retirements. I've got weird people that I work with and I think they were dropping a hint, especially after the last pastor's conference. These young guys are trying to push me out and uh, get rid of the old guy. I'm not ready to retire yet. As a matter of fact, I talked to somebody today and, and they even asked me, has this changed in any way how long you're gonna serve, what you're gonna do? And I go, no. I go, as a matter of fact, I'm more excited about serving. Is it fun teaching to chairs? No, it's a challenge, but you know what? It's also, I'm willing to meet that and it's kind of reinvigorating me. And here's what I know, man, when all of you are gonna get here, it is gonna be so much better and so exciting. So hey, let's go from Nehemiah and let's, let's get, quote, in the spirit. Let's get the word of God in our hearts and let's serve one another Let's serve the community around us. And dads, take care of your families. Make sure that they're taken care of spiritually. And let's be busy about that. I will work hard to feed you the word of God and to equip you to do the ministry you're called to do. I promise I'll work hard at that if you promise you'll work hard on taking care of your family. And we got a deal, so you know what? Let's go forward and let's get this wall done. Let's stand up and pray. Father, we do thank you tonight for your word. And, and God, just what a challenge it is as we, as we think about what's going on in, in that culture and that group of people. Lord, I think they faced a lot bigger challenge than we do. I think it was a lot more serious I think it was a, a lot more crushing to them. And yet, Lord, here's what I know. Our own trials, our own difficulties feel just as crushing and just as overwhelming as these guys felt. I know that. And my prayer is, as a church, we would give those things over to our God. We would be like Nehemiah and we would go to God and we would pray and we would lay it before the Lord and then we would get busy putting our mind to the work of the Lord, to what he has told us to do. 
And God, strengthen your people, especially now. Strengthen your people. Those who are feeling overwhelmed, I pray right now, God, for your peace to come upon them. God, for your, your glory to rest on them. For those who have been laid off and they're not sure what's gonna happen and the whole, the future right now is so uncertain, God, give them peace and may your peace rest upon them in a mighty way. And God, for those of us who are doing well, who are doing good, use us in the lives of the saints who are not. Lord, we wanna be vessels. We wanna be the, that hose that you flow through to uh, minister to people. That's what Christianity's all about. So God, use us in a mighty way. And I want all of you who are believers to see, stay praying right now. I know we're not in a group, but hey, we need your prayers. If you're here, you're listening right now. I know you're not here in a building, but if you're listening right now and you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, I know we didn't talk about Jesus a whole bunch. We could have on the sheep gate. We could have been on a golden gate. We could have done it at the water gate. We could have done it at the fountain gate. There's a whole bunch of things that we could have done that. But listen, man, here's the deal. Jesus Christ came and he died for your sin. We talked about that last week. He hung on a cross and paid the penalty that you owe. The Bible says every single one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. And Jesus Christ took that death, oh, not so much a physical, as he took that spiritual death, that separation from God, he took it upon himself and he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because him and the Father were separated for the first time. And he took that upon himself for you, Christian, or, or for you listening to me. And you know what? All you have to do, we took it for Christians too. But you know what? If you're listening right now and you do not believe that Jesus did that or you've never put your faith in it, Right now is the time to do it. Change your heart. That's called repentance. Turn from one way, turn the other way. Jesus died for you. He loves you. And all you have to do is say yes to him. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And it's just going to be a prayer of faith. And I want to encourage you right now. Say this prayer with me. If you're, again, if you're on Facebook, if you happen to be, I don't know why you would be on our website if you're not a believer, but if you happened upon it, however you happened upon us, maybe somebody sent you a link. If you're not a believer, you've never asked Jesus to forgive your sins, do it right now. Say this prayer with me. Jesus, tonight I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. Right now, I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for dying for me. And now I want you to come into my heart and change me. I want you to come into my life and guide me. Tonight, I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. And for all of us, let's walk with God and let's remember, let's don't be afraid, but let's trust in our awesome and mighty God. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you said that prayer with us tonight, I just wanna encourage you uh, to, you know what?
uh, you can either do a, a comment on, on Facebook. You can text us that number, 520-210-3678. You can text us there. Let us know that you made that decision. And you know what, man? We'll be praying for you. We would appreciate that.